0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, In case we haven't met, or even if we had, let me introduce myself. My name is Josh. I am the lead pastor here, and it's uh, wonderful to be together this morning. Whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, it is good to be able to gather. And I'm just thinking about something right here. Adam, I'm just moving this thing back. I don't usually move that far backwards, but I could see it could happen, this might be the Sunday. So, I'm just gonna move that out of the way uh, so I don't, aren't thinking about bumping into something behind me this morning. I'm gonna begin this morning by showing you uh, pictures of two individuals. Here we go, here we have uh, two people who are polarizing in Canadian politics, we have our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, and we have the leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev, and how many of you are wondering where are you going with this this morning? <laughs> Yeah, okay. Some of you had some, like, you know, reactions with one of the pictures being shown up here because, uh, you know, here we have uh, two people who will tell you why their party is for Canadians, and at the same time will tell you why the other party is dangerous for Canadians, and uh, both have the uncanny ability to elicit some passionate responses from their supporters and some even stronger responses from their detractors. I mean, Mr. Trudeau even has a a flag with a profane slogan on it that we've seen out and about. And all of this is to illustrate how a conversation like politics can feel like we're walking into a minefield, can't it? Even in a setting like this, you're kind of like, are we going to go here? Because I don't know what the person sitting beside me or behind me thinks, and I'm not sure I want to find out. This is true. You know, following our service last week, uh, some, one of you came up to me and you wonderfully applied our, our sermon on curiosity, and you came up and you expressed curiosity and followed up on something I said by saying, Josh, what, is, what are those certain topics that you mentioned that you avoid? I thought to myself, well, there's a reason why I avoid them is because I don't want to talk about them. But good on you for, for expressing that curiosity. You're applying this. And I'm so I took a moment, took a deep breath, and then I very quickly was able to list you know, a bunch of things like sexuality, gender, race, theology, and, of course, politics. Now, if you are close to me, you might, from time to time, get my honest thoughts on some of those topics. You might. But realistically, I tend to hold back in most of my relationships and because I know that in a setting like this, each of these topics can elicit some very strong and passionate responses. It kind of feels like we're we're walking through a bit of a minefield. And so, as a result, I I don't like awkward conversations. I tend to avoid them. That seems to be my life's calling in some ways, is in my personal life. How can I avoid the awkward thing? I'm going to go that way. And so I try to keep things at that nice, superficial level uh, if I can. But as much as we might want to try to keep life and those conversations at that nice, superficial level, sometimes we can't. And we can't because sometimes these issues are too real, too, they're too much in our face and, and the people that we're experiencing conflict with or having these conversations with aren't people that are way over there that we don't really know, but they're people up close to us, like our family and our friends and our coworkers, our neighbors. They're people that we, actu- that we actually care about what they think about us. We want to have positive relationships with these up-close people. We want these relationships to be positive. And so how we navigate all of these things and more is what is behind this teaching series this fall that we're going through called Peaceful Practices. And if you've missed either of our first two uh, messages, uh, first two teaching times, I would encourage you to go to our website, go find the teaching tab there, and there you would fi- you'll find the audio and links to the video, as well as the sermon notes. And I'd encourage you to try to keep up with this, because everything that we're talking about over the next few months really build on one another. And if you're paying attention today, you might think, doesn't this sound a whole lot like what we talked about last week? And it does, because these things tend to overlap, This morning, we're going to be talking about uh, what it means to be focusing on discovery and discovering where other people are coming from and how this practice of discovery can help us navigate uh, conflict and engage conflict in in, in some better ways. And so the big idea that we're exploring is that discovery gets us below the surface to the heart of what really matters. Discovery gets us below the surface to the heart of what really matters. Now, conflict very much seems to be a part of the human story right from the beginning. It's been true at all points in history, and it's true in my life, and I know it's true in your life. Even if we've never talked before, I know conflict has been a part of your life. That's just part of what it means to be human. And so because of this, it shouldn't be surprising to us that Jesus gives some instructions for how do we engage conflict. How do we handle conflict? And if we were to go to Matthew's gospel, we would hear Jesus teaching us about... You know, what it means to be peacemakers. He talks about reconciliation when we've been in arguments. He talks about retaliation. He talks about loving our enemies. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about not judging others. And all of that is found in three chapters in Matthew's gospel called the Sermon on the Mount. And whether you are a person of faith or not, we will find, we'll read Jesus' words about conflict and other things, and we will find them challenging. And at the same time, they're things that if we choose to apply, we will find them life-changing, Now later in Matthew, if we get to Matthew chapter 18, we find that Jesus again talks about conflict. And often if we look to Matthew 18 and we're trying to say, look at, hey Jesus, what are you teaching me about conflict? We tend to zero in on a three-step process that that sounds something like this. Hey, you have a problem with somebody? First step is to go and tell them about that problem one-on-one. The second step, if that doesn't work, is to go bring some people along who, and we often think about it this way, who can help that other person see the situation our way. And the third is, if that doesn't work, then we bring them to the church, and the church will correct them. And if none of that works, well, you know what, you've done your part, it's okay for you to walk away from that relationship. At least that's how we often talk about it. And the reality is, is that we love a three, good three-step process, don't we? We love it because it's nice, easy, we can, we, we can put it, we, I follow the steps, okay, I'm good to go. But I'm going to suggest to us this morning that if we focus just on three, these three steps, if we take, say this is all Jesus says about how do we engage conflict, that we're going to miss out on other things that Jesus says about how do we navigate conflict, especially even from what's just in Matthew chapter 18. The whole chapter has something to say to us about conflict that goes beyond just those three steps. See, Matthew 18 begins with the disciples in the middle of the conflict of their own, to which Jesus gives an initial response, and then he goes on to talk about sin, and then he tells a parable about a lost sheep, and then he, then he goes on to give these three clear instructions about what are you supposed to do when conflict arises, and then the chapter ends with instructions about forgiveness and another parable about forgiveness. Now, what we tend to do as we read through this chapter of the Bible is we tend to separate it into, into many lessons about unrelated topics. That's how we tend to treat it. We're like, oh, there's different things that Jesus talks about here, and we treat them as being disconnected. But this morning, I'm wondering if it would be better to see everything that's in that chapter as, having an over, as being a part of an overarching lesson on how do we navigate conflict. And in doing so, I think we're going to find some insights. We're going to find some things that help us understand conflict as well as some things that give us some constructive tools for when conflict happens. And it all kind of centers on this idea of discovery. Now, for the sake of time, we're not reading all of Matthew chapter 18. In fact, I'm giving you this piece of homework uh, later on today or maybe tomorrow. Sit down and read Matthew 18 in one, set, in one sitting and think about, you know, how and what, I'm, and what I'm reading here, how does this connect to this idea of conflict? How does it speak to this idea of conflict? Give that a try and see what emerges. But for our purposes this morning, we're going to read 12 verses starting at verse 10. Matthew 18, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that, it, that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hill and go to look for, that one, for the one that wandered off? And if he, if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector." Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound in uh, bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you agree on anything about what, uh, anything, they ask for it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, "Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times?" Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And we'll stop there for this morning. Now, when we're talking about conflict, what we are talking about is a problem between two or more parties who are perceiving that there are incompatible goals. And in the opening part of Matthew, chapter 18, which we did not read this morning, Jesus' disciples are in conflict with one another. See, they want to know which one of them is the greatest, okay? So right there, we have goals that are incompatible. They can't all be the greatest. And so there, we have the basis of conflict. Now, it's interesting to me that the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples uh, uh, who are in conflict has nothing to do with trying rushing in to fix it, but rather he appoints them to the example of children, and if you were to take the time to read through Matthew 18 this afternoon, one of the things I would, I would point out to you is that the example of children is seems to be a bit of a running theme there that shouldn't be ignored. It's something that kind of ties together everything that is said. It's very interesting. But the point that, that is made here is that curiosity is essential to discovering what it means to navigate conflict. Now, the temptation as we hear Jesus talking about children is to skip right to the lesson about humility. At least that's what, what I tend to do. That lesson is that the last will be first and the first will be, will be last. But in how Jesus speaks, being childlike and, and, and humble, they go together. And we talked about this last week, didn't we? That children embody a sense of curiosity, Naturally, they have this, this propensity to be exploring, to be learning, to be trying new things, to be asking the question, why, a zillion times. It's, it's incredible. And as adults, we need to stop and we need to be paying attention to the children around us because we have things that we can learn from them. Because they're going to show us the importance of discovery because the discovery is just a part of who they are. It's just a part of their world. And so when Jesus points towards humility, it should be heard in this context of this analogy of children and what children are naturally like, that children are naturally just about discovery. They're about curiosity. And the reality is that discovery grows humility in us because it requires that we be open to something that we don't already know. You know, often when we are faced with a contentious conversation, you know, we feel like we need to give our answers, don't we? Or we need to assert our convictions, or we need to make sure that our position is well known. But discovery chooses a different path. See, what discovery can do is is rather beautiful. It can transform our conflict into something that's constructive because it assumes a humble position. It seeks to understand instead of trying to debate. And that humility will change our relationships for the better. Back in grade nine, I remember sitting in my grade nine math class when somebody pointed out that the textbook that they handed us at the very back had all the answers to all the questions that we were going to be asked in grade nine. And I remember thinking, sweet, I'm going to do so well in math. I didn't. But, and, and that was just the thing. Because what took me longer to discover was that there's a difference between being given the answer and being able to work out the answer for myself. Indeed, what turned out to be actually better for me in my academic journey was the discovery of what our school had was this math help room where you went at lunchtime and there was a math teacher there who would sit down and help you do your homework and show you how to figure out the answers. That approach was much more fruitful and helped me do better on tests and helped me academically a whole lot more in the long run than knowing where the answers were. And in a sense, this is what Jesus is doing for his disciples here. I mean, he could have responded to their argument by settling it for them, being like, listen, guys, you're all idiots. Nobody's the greatest, okay? Get over yourselves. That's what he could have said. Honestly, it would have been fine. But what we see Jesus doing here is inviting them to discover the answer for themselves, and so he tells them a parable. And the parable that Jesus tells in the story is the story of the lost sheep. Now, if we think about it, we would realize that it would be pretty easy to miss one sheep among a flock of 100. I was thinking about this this week as I was at the schoolyard, and I'm thinking, man, there's all these kids running around, and there's like these three, four teachers doing, doing their yard duty, how on earth are they keeping track of them? This is, I, I can't. Think about what it would mean for one shepherd to be keeping track of a flock of 100 and how easy it might be to miss one. It would take the careful attention of that shepherd to notice that one, would, one was missing. And to be able to pay that kind of attention would require that this shepherd had spent a whole lot of time with his flock, knowing each sheep well and being intentional about noticing if one went missing. Now, this is a parable that many of us have heard numerous times. But think about it again within the context of this conversation about conflict. And what we might be able to pull from it is this idea that that practicing discovery, leaning in and getting to know the people and the circumstances around us is really key to navigating conflict. And so our second idea, our second point this morning is that discovery, uh, discovering what is going on under the surface is going to transform our conflicts. Here's the thing, if the shepherd did not know his flock, he wouldn't notice if one went missing. Or if they did, maybe they wouldn't even care that one went missing. I mean, it's just one sheep, right? But taking the time to know their flock means that they not only notice that one sheep has gone missing, but they will care enough to go after that one sheep. You know, in order for us to stand a chance at handling a conflict well, uh, we need to understand both ourselves and the uh, people that we might be not seeing eye to eye with. We need to get to know one another and to, and to value what makes us different and be willing to, to be there and to get to know and to learn and to listen and to embrace another person who might be very different from who we are. You know, if we don't spend time trying to understand what's really going on, we're going to struggle to, to solve any sort of conflict. And so discovery means that, that we need to go further than just acknowledging what's going on the surface, but we need to be willing to go deeper. Over the course of this series, we are making available a wonderful curriculum called Peaceful Practices Curriculum that's put out by MCC. And if you're following along with us this week, you will see this wonderful visu- visual image of an iceberg um, that can be used to describe what is happening, what are some of the dynamics at, at play when, we, when it comes to a conflict. And above the surface, we notice that we only see a small portion of the iceberg. In fact, most of that iceberg is underneath the water. You know, similarly, when we find ourselves in conflict, we tend to only see the actions or the state of positions or the thoughts of what is going on at the surface level. Uh, and because we can only see so much, we can only see that part of it, we often conclude that you know our goals are incompatible and thus we are in conflict. But under the surface, there's a whole lot more going on. There are assumptions, there are interests, there are feelings, there are needs, there's just a whole lot more going on, but it, it's a little bit hidden or it's a lot hidden. See, in order to transform our experience of conflict, we need to discover what is going on below the surface. And when we don't explore what is going on below the surface, we can easily find ourselves tangled up in unproductive and harmful ways of dealing with conflict. But this idea of discovery isn't just about what's happening in other people, because you know what, it applies to us, it applies to me too. You know, when there's a conflict in one of our relationships, our tendency is to point the finger, is to blame others. You know, the reason why there's a conflict is because they are wrong. But that's simply not true, right? If we're honest about it, we realize that we often have a role to play in any sort of conflict. And so we need to learn to examine ourselves as much as we are examining others to find out what it is that we are bringing with us into our relationships and into our conflicts. There are assumptions, there are fears, there are expectations that we bring with us that are contributing to what is happening above the surface. Now, what's interesting is that below the surface, icebergs can touch one another. And this reminds us that as we do the work of discovery, that we might find that we have needs and values that overlap, even in those situations when our actions, our attitudes, and our positions are in conflict. And let's just keep that picture up for a little bit, Uh, guys at the back, Um, and let's just think about that. Because over the past few years, many of us have noticed that our society is becoming increased or feeling increasingly polarized, aren't we? And on the top is as if there's all these icebergs with different positions that are out there floating around and things that, positions that people feel very strongly about. And so we, and we can, what can happen is we can find ourselves being so focused at what's going on at the top that that just consumes our energy, it consumes our, 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 our attention, and we can forget that there's other stuff going on below the surface. But what we need to do is we need to be willing to dive deep and define the places where those icebergs touch, define to the commonality that could result in us being able to hear one another and potentially work with one another. Now, what we're talking about here is not about erasing differences. Rather, what we're talking about is exploring the complexities of our relationships and going deeper. And when we do this, and when we do this authentically, The people around us, the people that we often feel like we might be in conflict with, will feel heard and and understood and seen, and we might find ourselves being able to engage these conversations differently than we ever thought would be possible. Now, to get back to something that we talked about a few weeks ago, we need to embrace the struggle in all of this. You know, when we're in conflict, it's really hard to name our assumptions, really hard to name our feelings, it's hard to name the stuff that's going on underneath the surface, because it's hard to see. And it's even harder to look at somebody else and to, re- and to name the things that are going on uh, below the surface for, that, for the people that we might feel like we're in conflict with. But if we're sincere about wanting to find another way to approach these relationships, we need to be willing to, to do the hard work, to engage in the struggle, and to be able to discover, work on discovering what is going on underneath the surface. You know, text messages are a great way of communicating quickly. But at the same time, I've had a few experiences which have highlighted to me that they can also be easily misunderstood. I'm sure you've had these experiences as well. You know, for example, I received a text message from a family member that made me quite upset one time. And the more I thought about it, the more in my mind I thought, you know what, I need to respond this way. I need to assert myself. I need to argue my side of things. And before you knew it, before I knew it, I had created a full-blown fight with two very entrenched positions. And so what I did is I went to my wife and I I was looking for somebody to be on my side and I showed her the horrible text message and you know what she said? I don't see it. How do you not see this? She's like, in fact, she couldn't even figure out exactly where the point of conflict could have come up. You know what I had done? I'd imported a bunch of things from my My emotions from my history, you know, how I was doing that day. I had imported a whole bunch of stuff. You know the breakfast that didn't sit very well, whatever. I took all of that and it was it somehow squished into how I was reading this text message, and what I needed and what she provided for me was somebody else to help me see things a little bit more objectively than I was able to in that moment. You know, as Jesus responds to his disciples, he invites them to see the value of having neutral parties in a conflict. And this is where what Jesus has to say about those steps of conflict resolution really come in. See, there's going to be times when you and I struggle to engage conflict with a posture of discovery. You know, instead, the approach that we're going to have is we have this idea of we're right and they're wrong, and I have a strategy in mind to help make sure that they know and convince them that they were wrong and I was right, and then that'll make everything good. That's what we tend to come in, into. We can come into a relationship being like but that isn't helpful. And so in those moments, we would be wise to recognize that we need others to encourage us to engage in this work of discovery. We need others to encourage us to, to engage in this work of discovery. Now it's absolutely right that we ought to begin by trying to engage another per, the other person one-on-one. This actually goes back to something we talked about the first week where there is an element of we need to move towards other people that we're in conflict with, and to choose to engage and to go and to try to make things right one-on-one. That requires courage, that requires humility, and who knows? In that conversation, we might realize that we've had a bigger role to play in what was going on than we thought or we originally thought, and as if we do this step well, we might just discover a closer bond than we ever thought was possible. We might just discover a whole new relationship if we do that step well. But that doesn't always work out, does it? And so sometimes what is helpful is the presence of other people who can come alongside us in these moments of struggle. Not necessarily to take sides, actually not to take sides at all, but to be there and to listen and to be a reality check. Again, who knows? Maybe we are wrong as we go into this conflict. Maybe our posture has been wrong, and and maybe there are some uncomfortable truths that we need to hear. And so having other people present is a part of this this practice of discovery and is important to this practice of discovery. You know, what Jesus knows about us is that our perspectives can get twisted up, that we can find ourselves only seeing the things that we want to see and that we can become stubbornly entrenched in our own positions and that left to our own devices that no progress can be made in a conflict or it can be really hard to. But what can help us is when other people come alongside of us to ask questions and to engage in this journey of discovery. And I think this is why Jesus encourages us to use others, to include others when we find ourselves stuck in a conflict. I don't think it's about this retribution thing, about, hey, we're going to gang up on you. I think it's about, hey, let's create space so that we can listen and we can work out something together. And so with this in mind, let me encourage us to be humble enough to seek the perspectives of others. To be willing to, to, go, to a, go to somebody and say, hey, do you think I'm seeing this properly? Or what am I missing here? Or how are you seeing this? Or where do you think I'm being too stubborn? Let's be honest, often we're, we're way too stubborn when we're going into things and we need somebody to call us out on that. Or how might I be wrong? Or am I wrong to be offended by this? Am I making too big of a deal of this? And we need people to come alongside of us and to help us out with this and not necessarily just the people who will tell us The things that we already think. You know, some of us have lots of great friends, but you know what? They won't tell us the hard stuff. They'll just tell us the stuff that we, you know, that we nod our heads to and say, great, I was on the right path all along, but will they tell us when we are wrong, when we need to be redirected? We need people like that in our lives. You know, we were not made to do life alone. We need other people to come alongside us if we hope to, to find productive ways to navigate conflict. We need the help of others, now, Matthew 18 ends with Jesus encouraging his disciples to move towards forgiveness. Now, the role of forgiveness in conflict is complicated. Um, we're not going to get much into it here, but it, it, it can look different in different circumstances. But here's the thing. When we seek to engage conflict with a posture of discovery, we're going to find that responses of, of mercy and forgiveness become, poss- become possible in ways that may have been impossible at other times. And having this possibility of being a part of us, bringing that possibility of mercy and forgiveness with us into these places of conflict will, will actually free us from situations and, and, and topics that might otherwise hold us back, conflicts that might hold us back. And we will again be able to be like children who seem to be much more easily able to move past grudges and moving into the joy of play and discovery all over again. Big lesson in this whole thing is just go find a kid and model your life after them, Okay? You know, we have uh, some neighbors who are some very nice people, very nice people, but whose perspectives and beliefs and culture is fairly different from our own. And what that means is that from time to time, there are points of potential conflict. Indeed, over the past, few year, past year or so, there have been moments when I've wanted to confront my neighbor because there's been something has been said or something that has been done that could be interpreted as being insulting or, or hurtful. But not long ago, I had this moment, and it's a Holy Spirit moment, that's all I could say, where something occurred to me, that they were doing what they only thought was best for their kids, and what they thought was the best way to be faithful to their religious convictions. Do you know what? Those are two things that I want to. I want to do what's best for my kids, and I want to live as faithfully as I possibly can. We have those two things in common. But it's taken me a while to see this. And just the fact that I've seen it hasn't actually made some of these interactions a whole lot easier, but it is, it is giving me something, another, uh, another lens to look at this relationship through. Because, you know, on the surface, things look so different. There is the basis of conflict that's just sitting there. But in taking a step back and being willing to look below, I'm seeing some similarities. And in those similarities is the potential for for there to be some really good conversations that can help us understand one another, even if we never actually come to the point where we agree on the surface level of things. You know, this week, you and I, we're going to have conflict. This is not a prophetic word, it's just a statement of fact. You are going to have a conflict this week. I'm going to have a conflict this week. Maybe it'll be with our kids as we disagree over a choice that they're making. Maybe we're going to find ourselves at work and, and we're working on a project and we are just not in agreement with, with the direction that everybody else wants to go. Maybe we're disagreeing with the direction that everybody else wants to go. Maybe it's going to be in a conversation with our spouse about, as we dream about the future. But regardless, we are going to have, uh, we are going to encounter some form of conflict this week. That is going to happen. But when it, when it does happen, let's take it as the opportunity to, to discover, take a moment, and to start asking some questions, to, to be curious, and allow ourselves the, the, the intrigue to discover what might be under the surface. Because this practice will help, help us have better conversations, and will help us move towards the type of relationships that we want to experience. Please join me in prayer. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning, for the opportunity to worship, the opportunity to to laugh and to learn and to love. Lord, we want to say thank you just for all the opportunities that you've given us this week. And Lord, as we look at the week ahead, we acknowledge that there, there will be times of conflict ahead that we are going to butt heads with, with people we work with. We are going to see things differently with people that we live with. We are going to have uh, moments with our neighbors where we realize that we're just looking at life completely differently, that our ideology is just completely different from the people that we interact with. And Lord, this week we are asking for you to help us that, God, we would know your presence with us in these conversations, in these relationships, Lord, that you would give us a curiosity, a divine curiosity, and a desire to know and understand the people that we might be tempted to call our enemies. Lord, that we, we would move towards others instead of pushing them away. And so, God, Through your presence with us, we ask that you would just slow things down in those moments. Help us to see how you are at work. Help to see how you are leading us and guiding us and caring for us. And Lord, would you give us just a sense of peace? West Heights, this week, may you experience the peace of the Holy Spirit in conflict. And may God bless you with curiosity and a desire to discover more than what meets the eye. Amen.